Hi, and welcome to today's SSP Early Career Podcast. Today, we will be interviewing Cambridge University Press's Ben Den, who is the Director of Publishing for Academic Books. I'm actually personally really excited about today's interview, and I'd like to spend a couple of moments telling you why. So my background in publishing until I joined Digital Science was very much focused on journals. I pretty much knew nothing about scholarly books. And if someone had said, why do you publish them? I would have been like, well, I know they're important. And that is all I could have said. Once I started at Digital Science, though, and I started to work with more and more publishers, I began to work very closely with book teams and book publishers and very quickly began to understand how important books are and what their role is within the scholarly ecosystem, especially for humanities and social sciences. So today is actually a real passion episode for me because I want to bring that knowledge to the wider community. And I think it's really important that we as an industry understand and support all types of scholarship. To that end, let's get started. Ben, welcome and thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Can you start off by just telling us about yourself, your journey in the books world and what you do now? Yeah, so my journey in books started with bookselling back in the 1990s. I worked for Hatchard's in the UK and Waterstones for a few years before moving into children's publishing. So I wrote children's reference books for about four years, which was really good fun and quite different from academic publishing, as you can imagine. I moved from there to Oxford University Press in 2004, and I worked on subject reference dictionaries for the Oxford Paperback Reference Series, commissioning across a vast range of subjects. So everything really academic and then some trade stuff as well. And then I went to Elsevier, where I commissioned books on photography for Focal Press for a while. And I had several roles at Elsevier. My last role there was heading up the engineering and computing books program for them. I moved on to TNF, where I did five or six years looking after the humanities and media arts books lists there. And then I came to my current role at CUP, which is the whole gamut. So I'm the director of publishing for the whole books program, which includes all of the science publications that they do, the STM publications, and everything in HSS as well. So I guess the key point I would make is when you talk to people in books publishing, there's all sorts of paths in and all sorts of paths through it. Right from fairly early on, I've been quite a generalist, so I haven't specialised down into one particular subject. Now, there are good and bad points to that, but it set me up quite well to do the job that I do now. And what's clear, Ben, is that your career has been really diverse and you've covered a lot. So to that end, why are monographs and edited books important to the scholarly ecosystem? (laughs) That's a very good question. So the first thing I wanted to say about this is that there are all kinds of different academic books, and they do all kinds of different things. You know, if you look across the spread of publishing, you've got textbooks for teaching courses, reference works, primary source material, annotated works, monographs, and some trade academic books as well, which would be books that you know, take an academic approach to a subject, but sell to a more general reader as well. And none of those categories are distinct. You have every possible flavour of publishing in between. Your question, you asked about monographs and edited books, and that's quite a research-focused end of that spectrum. So I guess thinking about this in context, the biggest difference between books and journals is that monographs and edited works allow for a more in-depth and long-form treatment of a subject. They give an author a lot of space to fully explore a subject. And if necessary, they also allow that bandwidth to look into adjacent spaces. So monographs are really very, very good for 
interdisciplinary study. Another point I would make is that in emerging fields, edited works such as handbooks can often play a really primary role in defining a field and the way that it's taught. And in some areas where journals are very prevalent, typically when you look across the spectrum from STM to HSS, there is more research published in journals on the STM side, more research published in monographs on the HSS side. That's a really kind of crude distinction and you'll find a million exceptions, but broadly speaking. But in some of those areas where journals are very prevalent, they can be a precursor to books. So you might have books and other kinds of long form publications which expand upon journals material. And as I mentioned, there are other areas in which they are really the primary means of publishing research where the subject suits that longer form approach. And just to follow up, Ben, you made the point that I specifically asked you about monographs and edited works. And I think that's because I have primarily worked with big academic publishers such as Springer Nature, Taylor and Francis Elsevier. You mentioned other types of scholarship outside of that. Can you just cover a little bit of their importance and what they're there for? Yeah, absolutely. I guess the other big area that's not covered by that is the textbooks and reference works. So reference works, you know, the clues in the name, that's kind of authoritative lookup material. So it would sell into libraries in the same kind of research space as, as monographs and journals would, but provide that reference material for a subject. Those would be quite broad books trying to give a kind of comprehensive reference to a particular category or subcategory. The other really big area for academic publishing is textbooks. And a textbook would be that book, you know, when you were at college or, or you were at school, in our case, when you're at university, that's the required reading by your teacher in a particular subject. So they've adopted that book. They're going to teach their course from it. And you need to have a copy of that book in order to follow along. So it's the companion material for the course. And Ben, you touched on this a little bit already, and Sarah also did in the intro. But is there anything else you would add about what books do for particular subject areas, particularly for the humanities? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, when we're looking at monograph publishing, that's the kind of bread and butter in the humanities, I would say. I mean, it's really the primary vehicle for research. So publishing monographs can be a critical part of an academic's career, just in the same way as that can be the case for journals publication in more applied subjects. You know, the monographs that you publish can be a route to tenure. And They also play a very critical part in those areas in assessments. So, for example, the UK's research excellence framework. And what that really means is that, you know, universities have a real interest in publishing their research through those formats because it can directly influence the funding that they receive. So in the humanities, they're a really, really crucial part of the ecosystem. Great. Thanks for that additional context. So I also have a background in journals and work in journals. So something I'm very interested in hearing about from you is how the commissioning and editing process works for books. Can you tell us briefly about that? Sure. So typically, publishers are all different. There are nuances for all publishers, as I know there are for journals as well. But to try and give you the kind of, I suppose, the 101, you have subject commissioning editors. So for example, in my current job, I work with a fairly large team spread around the globe of subject editors, mostly in the UK and the US, some in India, some in Australia, a couple in other places in Asia. And their responsibility is to contract authors to publish books in their field or fields. So, you know, for example, we have a team of physics editors who are looking to contract authors to publish physics books. Now, sometimes that's very proactive. In other words, 
the editors will go out and very actively look for authors and solicit proposals from authors. And actually, we were talking before about textbooks and research books on the textbook side of things. Again, these are sweeping generalizations, but that's a very proactive area of commissioning. So editors will decide what they want to publish and they will go and look for authors to work on those things. And then there are other areas where it's very reactive. In other words, the editors are vetting proposals which are sent into them uh, from authors looking to publish. In both of those cases, what the editor will typically look to get is a proposal, an overview of the book in question, and they will then send that to some independent reviewers, assuming that the reviews that they get back for that proposal are encouraging. They then go through an internal approval process and then subsequent to the approval process, assuming everything went great, they would then work with the authors to put a contract together. Now, after that, there's a period where the author will go away. Sometimes books are written already. Pretty often, they're not. So, or there may be, you know, some work that needs to be adapted to turn it into a book. So there follows a period of writing, which could be any period of time, really, depending on the length and complexity of the project. But, you know, typically anywhere between six months and a couple of years. And the editor will check in with the authors periodically during that time, support them as necessary with their work, make sure they're staying on track. And then once the author's delivered a manuscript, the editor then passes that book on to a team who deal with production. And from then, involvement from the editor varies from publisher to publisher. But typically, they'll be the author's primary contact through the whole of the life of that book. So even after it's published and it's selling, and if there's a subsequent edition, etc. So I guess coming back to your question about journals, the really primary difference is that the in-house subject editor for a book decides directly which books or series they want to publish or not publish. And they actively manage the reviewing and delivery of those books. Whereas an in-house journal editor would be overseeing the management of the journal and you know the direction of the journal and all of those things. But those aspects, those kind of granular aspects, project by project, would fall to the journal's editor and team. Yes, that's a great overview. And also another major difference is just the length of time that it takes to go through the process for a book rather than a journal article. Yeah, that's very true. And one question I have leading off that is, does it tend to be different for edited works, reference works, and textbooks where you might have collaborative authorship or does it tend to be the same process? It's a similar process with a textbook quite often might have two or three authors or more and you would typically for a textbook certainly for a big textbook you would have a development editorial team who'd be involved with that project as well and that's a team who are responsible for really kind of reviewing at a very granular level the content that's being produced for the textbook and testing that with focus groups and instructors to see if it's fit for purpose. So there's quite a hands-on process through the development of a textbook. When you're talking about an edited work, typically you'd have an editor for that volume who would be one of the people who was commissioned. And they, depending on the book, typically they would be tasked with finding contributors for that book. And they might be very hands-on in managing the content that's coming from those contributors. So they play a kind of, if you like, additional editorial role beyond the project being commissioned. On the other end of the spectrum, for a kind of single-authored monograph, once the book was commissioned, the contract would typically be quite a lot simpler. And the process between then and delivery would typically be more hands-off because you don't have that kind of 
multiple stakeholder management to take care of. So it's clear that there's a lot of complexity in the commissioning and editorial process. Yeah, yeah. Book publishing is messy, you know. (laughs) And I think if you speak to people in book publishing, typically they like that messiness. That's a warning to anybody thinking of going into the industry. Don't expect it to be neat and tidy, but it won't be boring. And following on from that, actually, I think that this is potentially also an area that could be quite messy. How do publishers build business models? Yeah, that's a really good question. And you're right, it is a complicated area. Talking about the kind of research end of things, monographs and edited works, typically those books are what we call in the industry, low volume, high value. And what that means is that the primary business model for those is you have a relatively high priced title because they're quite specialist, typically quite niche subjects. You'd have a relatively high priced individual title. I say relatively high priced compared to something you might buy as an individual on Amazon, for example. And that will be going to a relatively small number of libraries and they then make it available to a relatively large cohort of users. So they buy a copy or a digital copy and that would be available for all of their students to use. And there are a couple of different models for that. So you have direct sales to libraries, you have third parties that sell research content to libraries, and then you also have collection sales. So for example, some publishers, Cambridge is one, we have a platform called Cambridge Core, where we put all of our research content and we sell our monographs and edited works through that platform individually and in collections to libraries. And I won't go into it, but there's various different types of business models that libraries can make use of. And then on the other side of things, you know, the trade books I mentioned before are pretty simple. Those are individual sales, just as you would buy the books that they sell through brick and mortar stores and through Amazon. And then textbooks, again, would sell in that model. But the difference, of course, with a textbook is that there's the primary driver of that sale would be an instructor who'd chosen to adopt that textbook for their course. So it sounds like there's as much complexity in the pricing and in the business models as there is in the editorial. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. And how does something like open access now start to come into play, particularly with Plan S, funder mandates and increased pressure to make things open? Yeah. So the short answer is yes, very much, very relevant for books. I would say all of those principles of open access that have driven the call for open access in the journals world, they apply equally to monographs and edited works too. So accessibility, maximum ease of dissemination, they're all there. What we've seen historically is that funders have been very focused on journals over books, but we're seeing that really changing now. And I would say a very good example of that is the recent guidelines provided by the UKRI, which can be found online. And they're asking for an accepted author manuscript of all of their funded research books to be made available within 12 months of publication. Plan S have said something similar, and I think it's pretty likely that the research excellence framework is going to follow a similar path. I think also the recent OSTP guidance to make federally funded research freely available in the US is going to have a similar impact on book publishing as well. So the short answer to your question is, Books weren't really in the sites before, but they are increasingly so now, and for the same reasons. Okay, thank you. Ben, I want to come back for a moment to that word of warning you gave that book publishing is messy, but it won't be boring. What do you wish others in the industry knew about the book side of publishing? (laughs) Well, that's a very good start. So I think the first thing I want to kind of stress is that it's fun and diverse area of publishing. It is really messy. It's, I think publishing generally is messy, right? Book publishing particularly so. It's full of really interesting people. It's pretty challenging on a day-to-day basis, I would say. You know, publishing is transforming really quickly. 
if I look at what I was doing when I started my career compared to how it looks now, you know, it's changed enormously. And it's being, you know, this upheaval driven by all of the things that we see in lots of other industries, you know, move to digital being a very good example. Open access is another one. So it's always challenging, but it's never boring. I don't ever get to the end of the day and think I've been bored in my job. And I think that's a really important thing. I think the other thing I would really stress about it is that a books commissioning editor working at certainly all the places that I've ever worked, typically those folks have a huge amount of latitude and freedom to shape a list the way that they want to, to work with the people that they want to, to publish the books that they want to publish. I mean, of course, you know, you want your publishing to be successful, but typically they're given a real free reign to work the way that they want to. And you meet commissioning editors all the time that work in vastly different ways to each other. And I'm not sure you can say that about a lot of other jobs. Yeah. And I love the way that you refer to messy in in such an endearing way. It's clearly one of the things that you like and enjoy being able to sort of wrangle the messiness into something productive. (laughs) Yeah. With varying degrees of success, I should say, but of course. So what advice would you give to someone who is curious about books and perhaps keen to get into that area of scholarly publishing? That's a really good question. I would tell them, just take an interest in all of it. You know, I think a good editor in 2022 needs to be reconciled to constant change and upheaval. I think as well as their own subject, an understanding of their subject, they need to understand and be open to the digital side of publishing they need to be able to read a PL to understand profitability and what makes profitable publishing. And I think you also need to really like and be interested in other people. It's a real people business. And if that's not for you, then I'd say, you know, you need to really think about whether this kind of, you know, book publishing and commissioning is for you because it, it is a real kind of people business. The one other thing I would say, and I'm kind of choosing how I say this quite carefully because there's not one right way, but I think if you're keen to get into this side of things and if you're ambitious about where you go in your book publishing career if you're prepared to move between subjects in your career which is something that you can do in book publishing you're going to exponentially increase your options for career development some folks are really wed to one subject you know they go into publishing because they love literature or physics or whatever the subject is and they don't want to move around and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all And there are some amazing editors who've had great careers that way. But to state the obvious, if you're less prepared to move around, it is going to inherently narrow your options at any given time. So I would say people should really consider that question as well. That's such great advice. And I feel like that particular piece of advice extends beyond the book's realm as well to other areas of the industry. Yeah, I think so too. So coming off the back of that that's phenomenal advice I think that you've given what is the one piece of advice you would give from your own career from your personal experience oh don't ask me to give anyone advice (laughs) the first thing I would say about my career is that I've been really really lucky and I've had really amazing mentors as well through my career and I think one of the things I would say common to all of publishing is a friendly industry and you know if you're kind of open to getting help and to learning from other people there are always people out there who are willing to help you I suppose in terms of advice I'd say that there's no one way to successfully approach academic books publishing and it can be a spread bet as well 
So any editor who's being honest with you will tell you, and you, you'll meet some editors in the industry with tremendous egos who will never admit to doing anything wrong, as with any industry. But anyone who's really honest will tell you that they've published some books they wish they hadn't published. They've made some mistakes. And so I guess my advice to anybody would be to keep an open mind and don't beat yourself up about your failures because you will have them. Publishing books is a real team effort. And it's also an iterative thing. You know, you build on your mistakes and your mistakes. I know it's a cliche that you learn from mistakes, but in, it's there for a reason. And it's absolutely true in publishing. And kind of related to that, I guess my other point on that would be just as you shouldn't take all the credit for your successes, although some people do, you know, because it's a team effort, you know, it's not the commissioning editor who's responsible for that. Equally, you don't bear all the responsibility for the things that don't work. Those failures are just part of the process. So yeah, so take the rough with the smooth, I think, and, and accept you won't always get it right. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We'd like to thank Ben for taking the time to talk to us today. We hope you all enjoyed and learned a lot from this overview of the world of book publishing. Ben touched on so many things that we could delve into in greater detail. And now that we have this fantastic foundation, we'll aim to do that in future conversations. Thank you all for tuning into today's episode. And as always, thank you to the Society for Scholarly Publishing for allowing us to be here and bring you these topics. We'll see you all soon for our next episode.